thank you, Captain, for agreeing to do this. No, you have to do the accent. <clears throat> I say, uh, 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 um, my, my good creature, uh, the moral arc of history is, um, uh, oh, what the hell am I supposed to say, Lieutenant? Homespun aphorisms about compromise. <laughs> Welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Notch Garnick, and with me in underwear, sniffing, or iron armpits is... Adam Bowen. Also joining us for the first time this week, we have... Reed Dressler. Welcome to the show, Reed. Uh, you're new. Our, our, the, 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 the listener we have, Steve from Ohio, doesn't know you, so can you tell <laughs> Steve who you are and, uh, and what you're doing on the show? Uh, yeah, so like I said, my name is Reed. Uh, I'm a youth director, which is how I was invited on because Emily uh, was the associate. She currently still is the associate minister at Brentwood Christian Church, but I had the opportunity to work with her a couple of years ago. And uh, I posted something on Facebook about Star Trek. And she said, oh, that's cool. You like Star Trek. So here I am. Nice, nice. And and you do like Star Trek. You, I do you're like not Star like Trek. sitting there being like, damn, I screwed up. Like I don't know anything about this. You know, I, I don't know as much as I would like about Star Trek, but I do thoroughly enjoy what I do know about Star Trek, yeah. Okay. So good. Just no no schemes and conspiracies like the Romulans. That's uh, right. A few episodes yeah. ago. It would be weird to scheme about Star Trek, but you know I probably I'll think would. of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's let's get on with the intro so that we can have Reed actually talk to us about Star Trek rather than self. Uh, Adam, Fair I think enough. you have something that you usually yeah, say. Yeah, this is the part that I say now. Uh, so yeah, welcome to Strange New Takes. Uh, today we'll be sharing the recap of the fourth episode of season four of Star Trek Lower Decks. Something borrowed, something green. And as usual, ask your friends to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes or on Facebook, Instagram, and Instagram threads, which still doesn't allow automatic posts, so I completely forgot to post on it this past week, but uh, I will soon. Sometimes we're there. Sometimes we're there. And please tell uh, your friends to also give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You should do that as well, because it helps us appear just a little bit higher in podcast search lists when someone types Star Trek podcast into Google search or whatever. And also, finally... We tend to spoil not just the episode that we're recapping. I mean, that's pretty obvious, but also tons of other stuff in Star Trek. Occasionally, we'll reference some other shows. So just eh, be warned that there are spoilers beyond this point, okay? Uh, so yeah, that's going to happen. All right. Well, so as Adam was telling us earlier, today we're talking about the fourth episode of the fourth season of Star Trek Lower Decks, Something Bored, Something Green. First aired on the 21st of September, 2023. It was written written by Grace Parajani that I almost read as Grace Parajane, and I was going to be like, whoa, not quite. <laughs> it's directed by Bob Suarez. The in-universe date was 2381. No star date, apparently. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Uh, here's the episode summary from Memory Alpha. Dendi is summoned back to Orion for a wedding. That's it. Nothing else. We're all done here, guys. Here we go. See ya. See you next all week. Right, yeah, good, yeah, good summary. talking. Short and sweet. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well... We always start with our strange new takes. Which of y'all have a strange new take for me today? 
Uh, well, let's see. So I'm written here on the uh, first on the list. So I think my strange new take is that uh, obviously I didn't have one. Uh, I, I I looked up into the into the sky <laughs> as if I was going to sort of manufacture one. Uh, you're you like you're the, you're in the Zephyrum Cochrane statue staring. Yes. Oh. <laughs> with my hand reaching for the stars or reaching for the future uh yeah. so uh uh ever since we got chickens we got really uh we knew that we had to eat eggs at a much uh faster pace than we had ever eaten eggs before and uh you know what i i kind of assumed that i would get sick of some of the things that we would eat but honestly just uh having some scrambled eggs with kale on toast is one of my go-to meals for the past uh, three years, and honestly, I don't see that going anywhere anytime soon. So, it's just nice to have a, have a good standby uh, whenever you need it. Uh, in terms of the episode, uh, I'm glad we actually got to see uh, more of Tendi's backstory. We keep kind of like hinting at it a little bit. I guess there's there's maybe the worry that like when we actually go there, that it'll uh, turn out to be disappointing and uh, like not measure up to to where we want things to go. Uh, I, I I didn't feel that way. I, I feel like we we had a good. Uh, this was a good like reveal for the actual backstory. So um, uh, that's always a bit of an accomplishment. So I'm impressed. I agree. I definitely definitely agree. You kind of stole my strange new take there. But before I even get to Star Trek. Has anyone, have any of you had the pleasure of investigating weed barriers? I, I thought we were going to be say talk about investigating weed. Um, I have I, I, weed, weed barriers. Yeah, Adam's like, man, <laughs> I've investigated yeah, weed, weed barriers. very thoroughly, bro. Very thorough investigation, man. <laughs> um, I, I, I recently purchased uh, uh, something that... I think it, it could also be a weed barrier, but it's for a French terrain. Uh, so it has potentially weed barrier in uh, its name, but that's as far as I've investigated them. Okay. Well, there's plot, there's fabric weed barriers and paper weed barriers. There's no weed barrier at all. There's three inches of mulch. Basically none of it works from what I can tell. Like you just get weeds, weeds just, you know, mm. like, uh, like Jeff Goldblum says, like, life uh, happens or whatever he says in Jurassic Park. That's very exactly what he says. Exactly, right? Yeah, it's, it's incredibly annoying. And I, as you can tell, don't like gardening very much. So to have an inexact solution that requires a lot of manual work anyway, gets my goat, man. Gets my goat. All right. Well, anyway, with this episode, though, my strange new take is that uh, they flipped the script on the Orions. That's pretty cool. You know? <laughs> Suddenly we have the armpit-sniffing dudes in underwear. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and you know, the women in charge of everything. I also, I, I, I do love this whole uh, uh, constant tension between the, like, oh, it, not all of us are, uh, are the pheromone kind. Uh, or, like, maybe that's a, that's a myth entirely. <laughs> Just, like, no, it's, it's not a myth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and this is the power of Lower Decks, right? Like, it gets yeah. to have a little bit of yeah. fun. And because it's having fun, it gets to, like, rewrite all the regrettable crap that we got from TOS that, like, places like Enterprise were too chicken shit to, like, you know, yeah. Oh, they, they just double, they just doubled down. They did. <laughs> yep. <laughs> With that, I, 
I definitely think that Lower Decks is in this tension of we've been handed so much about these people. We want to have fun because we're Lower Decks. We want to be less regressive, but also we still have to sit in this, you know, handed lore. So what do we go with that? Yeah. 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 For real. All right, Reed, you got you got your your first strange new take ready? I'm trying to think about a real life strange new take. Um, a friend of mine recently sent me a thing about those circus peanuts that are like the candy ones. Mm. And, you know, so this isn't even my take, but I agree with it that those things are kind of gross. And it's weird how much candy corn is hated considering how odd those are. I mean, they, you eat them at the, around the same time, but of the two, peanuts are worse. Yeah, that's my, it's not, I don't know how strange it is, but that's my take right now. That's a hot take. It, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> For the episode, um, I really liked what both of you were saying. Completely agree on those takes. I, I will say that I actually think my take on it would be that this is the worst episode of this season so far. You know, we haven't had a lot of episodes. I, I didn't vibe with it as much as the other ones. I thought it was fine. I mm. thought the other ones were a lot stronger. Nice. We're going to have a fight. This is going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So let's, let's jump into it, right? Uh, first of all, we got a scene that had Orion's in it, but didn't have much to do with the rest of the story, which was that an Orion ship gets zapped up like by that mysterious little shuttle and yeah. did y'all what were your reflections on this scene we also got some orion banter much like the romulan banter from a few episodes ago and the klingon banter yeah yep yep, yeah exactly exactly I, I i i felt like they were going somewhere with the sort of the first two ships that that they showed uh in the, the beginning of the season but it, I I don't know I I'm I'm getting a little bit impatient with this uh, now I think it, it's it's just kind of like okay we're just gonna show for like a minute and a half uh, some random species ship we'll we'll throw in a couple jokes and then we'll vaporize them uh, I I mean I know that they're gonna go somewhere but I I feel like the other seasons have set us up uh, like a little bit more uh, and this is just kind of the exact same scene playing out over and over again. It's it's dark too. I mean, we get to meet yeah. our lower decks equivalents of other ships, only to then watch them get killed two seconds later, and it's it's becoming yeah often. Yeah. Well, and, and and I I think a couple of us had had mentioned that like maybe there is some un uncertainty about like whether these people are actually getting killed or if they're getting like transported somewhere. Mm. They, they they spend a lot of time like showing the black outlines of their bodies disintegrating uh in what looks like a nuclear inferno so i i yeah <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how much i'm into the i i mean i i guess uh i mean we just killed one of the wedge dude characters so it, it does feel like it's weird to just i mean i guess he's not exactly off-screen killed but he's kind of killed without any um anyone See, else caring but this is what I, I really don't think these people are dead. So what I was fishing for by asking oh, if you'll notice anything was that the, the Orions, they they're like the 
when, when the zap comes, this white zap, and then they have like a dark outline, I thought that dark outline disappears before the white zap. Oh. So I think they're getting transported out. I, I, I guess Star Trek does like it's. To. Yeah. It, they they do like the whole transport out while exploding the ship kind of thing. So so yeah, that that isn't that is entirely a possibility. But what I liked right there, though, I think Reed, you said this, is that these are our Lord X counterparts. So is this going to happen to the Cerritos too? One of these days, we're going to start an episode of the Cerritos crews doing some chit chat, and then the right. Cerritos gets pulled apart. That's a great question, uh, and it, it also just begs the question of who is doing this, you know? So. And how is, is it funny? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Can we, are we able to talk about theories on who it is? Sure, yeah, and, go ahead. Uh, you know, I feel like it's the Boimler clone, section 31 stuff. It oh. Seems like it has to be that, because they, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but they set all that up, they have him laughing at the end, and then nothing they they did, they do need to at least bring him back for something. So I I did he die? I th- it, he uh Boimler thinks th- or uh sorry um Bradward Boimler thinks that That's William right. Boimler died and had an existential crisis about it. But I think it was either at the end of that episode or maybe the end of the season that that happened in that there was like this reveal that uh, yeah yeah he yeah. was still yeah. I I forget exactly what the reveal looked like whether it was just like showing. Did we see him like walking around, or was it just like that we saw that? I, I forget exactly how they did it. I, I remember like that being a thing. he was in or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, he got beamed off by reasonable. a torpedo, and then I think he was asking like Section Thirty One, like, "Why do you wear a special badge or something like that?" Yeah. So I think I I wouldn't be shocked if that's mm. tied into all this somehow. Mm. Control has returned, Adam. There we go. Uh, and another possibility is uh, this could happen to the Cerritos and it'll just confirm my worry that we're just killing everybody and the season will end. And the series will end. The series just, will end. Everyone yeah. will just have died. And there you go. That's the end of the show. It's over. <laughs> well, um, so we had, the, we had this cord open and then we quickly moved over to the Cerritos where... Tendi is now again though that they've started doing this thing where in every episode now our crew gets broken up into like a couple of distinct mm-hmm. groups heading off into places and basically the women go off to Orion with Tendi uh and Brotherford get to stay on <laughs> the, sh- the ship and uh and and, and and like live out their bromance together. Uh I I did really uh I, I loved that idea of because um, like Star Trek is constantly showing us how when you go into the holodeck and you are like assuming a character, all of the holodeck characters have no idea that you're just obviously someone from the future, right? Uh, like do, in the simulation, and they've never like brought the subject of like what if two people are are supposed to be playing <laughs> the same character? <laughs> this is the idea. Uh, I, I just, I, I loved that little bit of tweak uh, of how, how we use the holodeck. They're both Samuel Clements. And that, the, the kid going, <clears throat> you know, the, whenever they're just starting to argue with each other. <laughs> yeah. Is that Tom Sawyer probably? Or like, kind yeah, of like I, I, I don't know. It, yeah, it's it's like like trying to advance the plot of whatever hollow novel they're in. But yeah, 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 won't exactly. Allow it to happen. 
And I mean, this is, uh, it's, it, but, but like, you see this coming from a mile away, right? Like, it's, the, the episode starts, like, they're so insufferable together, like, and, and what is it, Tillin says, their emotional closeness is unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> Tillin has, I, I, so I, I think, um, uh, uh, Bill had mentioned a couple weeks ago that, like, Tillin was maybe just, like, the straight-up boring Vulcan with no traits or, or whatnot, uh, aside from being a Vulcan. I, I think that we're getting a lot of great one-liners out of Talin, uh, and this episode has has two in particular: the one that you just said, and then the uh, I love l- later on the like he is aesthetically pleasing. Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> they're really trying to grow her in this episode. There, there's no question. Yeah, yeah, that she she had more to do rather than just sort of sit and be a Vulcan. Yeah. So so Boimler and Rutherford basically like have this spat, and it gets resolved by them being Samuel Clemens together. So they decide this is the solution for all arguments going forward. All disagreements between people. (laughs) A house divided in twain cannot stand. (laughs) I wrote it down. That's amazing. That's amazing. (laughs) And I mean, the, the whole like conceit of future people trying to create like fake Southern like idioms or whatever and, <laughs> and, and say that kind of stuff it's just hilarious and i also enjoyed how they were able to kind of subvert the trope of like angry alien does not want starfleet to do something and it's usually like something really important and here the alien is just scanning something and he doesn't <laughs> want starfleet to scan the thing is yes <laughs> doesn't want their thorough data <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so yeah i mean that whole thing is completely ridiculous and the fact that the captain goes along with it yeah she even tries it in the first place and then is shocked when it doesn't work it's really funny (laughs) because you would expect her to be the one stopping that from even going forward yeah (laughs) oh yeah yeah and i mean our alien friend then decides like he likes munching on bonsai trees and uh that's it you can scan away all you want and she says yes you are very intimidating and he says yes i am you know (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah it's it's definitely like uh as far as like b plots or whatever go it like i I don't know that we like really learned anything or or anyone had any sort of like le- lessons or or whatever, but uh, I, I I was at least entertained even if there was kind of no like the purpose of this was kind of just filler. Um, I wanted to investigate that because at the beginning we were saying they're insufferable together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is that them actually getting along, or is that them not bringing up conflict points that they actually do have? in a way to try to get along or make it seem like they're getting along because I go back and forth, you know, he's saying, you know, is my, is my engineering at night keeping you up? And he's like, no, it rocks me to sleep. Is that him telling the truth or him trying to just get along? Because yeah. if, if they're just getting along, why do they need the twaining to fix their problems? They already had amazing communication beforehand. I, yeah, Boimler is definitely one to just kind of try and fit what he thinks the narrative is supposed to be for for what he's doing. 
so I, I think I would lean towards that. It's a bit of like he, they want to have this Brad or this uh, uh, Brotherford thing happening. Yeah. And therefore, like they're they're both just kind of playing into it. Um, but yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, right? Like when you have this, this happens a lot in like early relationships, right? Mm. We're like, oh, I just love the way she like coos a little bit every time she drinks her water. And then it's just like after a year, it's like, man, can you just stop making that noise every time you have a drink of water? <laughs> and so I think it's a little bit of them, the two of them just being like, oh, man, everything is perfect and like i love all this stuff and there's obviously also some of it that's like a little try hard and and making mm. it up as they go as well so yeah i want i i don't know if this is going to come up again because lord x is a habit of like quickly resolving things like i don't yeah. think there's a lot of like very long mm. lasted plot points but that's kind of that's a more meta point than anything else i wish that if it was them hiding conflict that they then just at the end had something where Boimler says, you know, it actually does annoy the crap out of me that you do that at night just to kind of help make it a real character arc between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise the Mark Twain stuff didn't actually help them and they didn't learn much of anything. They just lost a bonsai tree. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> but I mean that's Lord Dex, right? It's <laughs> kind of the way it goes. It's like nothing happens. That's true. Oh man. So I mean that's pretty much it for the Boimler Rutherford like Cerrito stuff. Uh, yeah. On on the other hand, in Orion, things take a pretty crazy turn pretty quickly. Like, turns out Tendi's life is ridiculous. Yeah, uh, she she's barely the uh, fifth largest uh, family in the syndicate. Or something. Like that. Yeah, he's getting carried everywhere on palanquins. Yeah, yeah, I I did. Uh, I, I I don't know. I, it it did stri- strike me like uh, we we talked last time. I think about uh, how they 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 follow the same rules of the uh, the live action show where like we're saving a budget by like reusing props and, and whatnot. And in this instance, like uh, it, like they, they don't need to make things look like the TOS style, like architecture or whatnot uh, oh, yeah. every, every single time, but they absolutely do. So it's like, it, it's always like this little rectangular compound that has like these ornate, gar- ornate gardens uh, with like um, uh, that, that just sort of set up. And uh I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I like how this show sort of fits into the rest of the canon, even when like, it doesn't really need to anymore. What was done in, uh, because of frugality is now an yeah. aesthetic. And, and yeah. because of like what exists in California. <laughs> right. Uh, with that whole, you know, she's so rich. I wrote down Mariner says, you know, I'm from a post scarcity world and even I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah i mean technically why would wealth impress right. you right if you can have literally everything uh so it is a little bit about just the show like you're getting like walked everywhere on a palanquin like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like four people carrying you everywhere and then i also enjoyed the fact that tendy's uh mom are the warrior queen shona and bert <laughs> yes. so, something 
Ashley pointed out while we were watching it is mm -hmm. she wonders if there's this new Star Trek dad thing going because he and T'Pring's father have a very similar energy of like the, you know, I'm the helpful side character husband. The wife is mm -hmm. the one with power and I'm a mm -hmm. little goofier. I don't take it as, as seriously. Uh, it's kind of an interesting new way whenever and it's a subversion mm. obviously of the old patriarchal stuff you see in the older ones totally i i i love that you got that um i think i think we are seeing kind of the and i mean it's it's like a little bit of like comedy that you can inject right like the dad mm. is dumb like it's mm. exactly it's fun i enjoy i enjoyed bert's little one-liners in this episode throughout <laughs> uh right. and it's fun and I, I do just generally like the uh, they 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 are trying to follow the names uh, like the name format that we have in we've established in another series, but like yeah, Bert and then uh, De Erica. <laughs> uh, by the way, Bert is spelled B apostrophe R T. <laughs> uh, and also we have the uh, one of the other. Orion's in this episode was named Deborah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's pretty fun, man. It's uh, I like it. I like I like what they're doing. They're having a bit of fun and it's 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 really enjoyable to to kind of watch how Lordex does this. They just take something that Star Trek has established and just go crazy with it as usual. Another uh, example of that, if I could real quick. That mm -hmm. I wanted to see with you all if you felt this was what was going on, but Whenever they're about to leave, before Tendi has gotten the invite, she says something along the lines of, I've cataloged all of the diseases brought back from shore leave. Was she implying that they were like inoculating everyone from STDs they got in shore leave? I, I mean, we I know that uh, the... Because she was specifically talking about like the transporter filter... Uh, but yeah, I, I mean that, that is entirely possible that we're um, we're we're going there. It also made me think about how uh, the really weird plot line that they had in Discovery for um, the the like biofilter has to know exactly what like the pathogen is before it can block it, instead of just you know like being like a HEPA filter that doesn't let right. big things in uh, and. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I, I'm going anywhere with that, but it, it just reminded me of that same kind of like, oh, why is it too I, specifically that? I, I went exactly where Reed was going, where was just like, yeah, she, she, I expected her to be like, I, I found nine and there were some fascinating like examples of STDs or whatever, like, but they, <laughs> but this is, I think where the writers did the right thing. Whereas I think like they could have put a joke like that. It should have been mega on the nose. Both of us picked up on it and right. we laughed in our own head. And that's, that's fine. That's totally fine. And it uh, fits with the whole, you, you people always asking Kirk must have a ton, right? You know, I mean, <laughs> he's gotta be filled with them. Well, no, don't worry. That's actually one of the duties of a lower decks officer is to protect <laughs> The, the commanding officer from any possible diseases he, All right, he or she Chief may Kyle, bring. 
Good. Captain Kirk just slept with another alien. Boost the biofilters to max. <laughs> that Enterprise must have had someone like dedicated just to that job, you know. <laughs> like changing Kirk sheets every time they have an episode. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, um, getting back to our friend, the mistress of the, uh, what, is, what, is, what is the title again? The mistress uh, of the... Uh, winter Constellations. Winter Constellations. I forgot the word winter yeah. there. Mistress of the Winter Constellations. Uh, we finally also get to see her. Like, we saw, like, that one time when she went to the Orion camp that people, like, kind of were in awe of her. But now, apparently, anywhere she goes on Orion, like, people just, like... Yeah are super like even in clubs like the bouncer is like i will tell my grandchildren about the day that i bowed to you it's, she's she's a well-known quantity and we initially we don't know why yeah it, it it does just kind of uh well and i i think this is a good way to like filter in uh or i, I guess kind of ease into uh this narrative because we we've seen those hints in previous episodes and we we sort of start out think assuming that it's just because she's rich, because uh, her family is like barely the fifth largest in the syndicate. Uh, so I I think what what I liked is that by the end of the episode I wasn't even expecting there to be like a twist about exactly what her background is because I thought that that's would explain it all. Um, but we got some nice little lore out of it too. Yeah. Which is which is that the Orions have a prime daughter who is mm -hmm. trained as an assassin to like take down the other syndicates and is basically like a huge badass and i mean this is basically tendy's another mabenga right like she's like mm -hmm. an expert in hand-to-hand -hand combat and a lot of other things probably that mabenga is in engineering wise but she's just like in starfleet as this like harmless scientist yeah that's her rebellion that's her teenage rebellion against her family usually it's being cool but for her it has to be being nerdy yeah. yeah, and and it it does it does also like fit into the um. I don't know. It it felt like. Like uh, lower decks has has this joke kind of keep on coming up of like, it are the Orions actually like the way that they are portrayed in the rest of Star Trek, or is it just like uh, stereotypes or whatnot? And it seems like mostly the answer is that yes, they are all pirates, uh, and uh, like uh, run by crime lords, but just. Tendi doesn't fit in, and uh, and the, and there are these like other different instances where, uh, like in the start in the um, Strange New Worlds episode, where uh, like really all they wanted was to be like recognized as a scientist, even though they they did just like steal the thing and yeah. uh, whatnot. But I, I just loved how when they get to the the planet initially, the three guys looking like old timey pirates jump out with their like sabers. <laughs> <laughs> it's really like just like they're all pirates <laughs> and it's it's hard because i don't know that there's ever a time they're not because in discovery right 900 years in the future aren't they now still filling the void the intergalactic political yeah. void by being slavers. pirates yeah and slavers so it's kind of sad from attendee perspective. At what point in history are they not living out this one niche? Uh, it is It is pretty funny. It is pretty funny how Lordex is like questioning this thing, but also just leaning into it because it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like one of those three guys who jumps out of the saber, he's got the like pirate bandana hat that you see <laughs> in like old time. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. 
Um, well, so Tendi has then two run-ins with like powerful ladies running like a bar, one running a bar, one running like this like sex dungeon thing. The hump, hump dungeon. The hump dungeon. Yeah, yep. The hump dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> Guys sniffing armpits for pheromones. The moans. The moans. <laughs> Also, in the midst of all this, Mariner is getting stabbed in the shoulder. Oh yeah, Every, the dagger throws. Yeah, to else. the to the point she says, "I'm gonna stay way over here." It's yeah, in the ship, she like goes and hides behind the counter. <laughs> Which, by the way, Mariner is a pretty badass person herself. Like we've seen her have some like crazy combat skills. So mm. the fact that she's intimidated and Tendi is even more crazy than her is pretty intense. Yeah. Ah, uh, but any anything to say about the bar or the hump dungeon? Uh, I I mean I I do appreciate that um, because I, I that there's there is uh some hints of it in in like Star Trek elsewhere that like in the future people <laughs> won't be as uh like weirded out by either like nudity or like or different aspects of sexuality or whatnot. And they, they do that in Lower Decks as well, but they, they're, like, uh, more explicit or crass about it. So it's just sort of, like, they're impressed by the hump dungeon. Exactly. Uh, and it, that's kind of, like, how we leave it. <laughs> or, like, or th that, like, this is not the first hump dungeon that they've gone to. It's, like, one of the normal things that they do as, as part of, like, shore leave or whatever. Which definitely, Ryza has a whole bunch of these. Uh, but, yeah. And... And they're they're constantly. Has a whole impressed. lot of these, huh, Adam? Is that your wishful thinking here, or are, are we? <laughs> I just mean that, like that's I I if if '90s Trek could have put a hump dungeon into Ryza, I think they probably would have. They they got pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> they're constantly impressed, you know. Mariner is constantly impressed with every bit of the Orion culture, mm -hmm. uh, and so it's really funny that balance of Tendi hates it. Because, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I'm rebelling against being cool and Mariner's just loving every second of it. Yeah. And 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 Talyn is like cataloging every little thing in her for her like Vulcan Science Academy. <laughs> so every time something <laughs> insane happens, she like calls it out again with one of her like amazing one liners. Yeah, th th that is a good a good gag throughout the episode. Uh, and I, I, I appreciate that they turned it into sort of like the the uh, character moment at the very end where she uh, tosses it away yeah. and then uh, has some great uh, uh, Vulcan moral philosophy or whatever. Of, Curious, my report yeah. appears to have been damaged. Yeah, and and points out that like, ha like making a report on someone who does not consent is unethical and like, oh, also we learned something at the end as, as well. Yeah, yeah, also her report was too thorough and nuanced, mm. so the Chalnoff <laughs> would not appreciate it. <laughs> that's right um so we meet so finally we meet Tendi's sister in this like ship graveyard and along the way we have both Talyn and Mariner kind of questioning Tendi's kind of insane abilities which is when then with the conversation with the sister we find out that the sister has had to take over so first we find out Tendi was this like prime role mm -hmm. as an assassin and that her sister has then had to take over in Tendi's absence. And the funny thing is, she wanted it. She just wanted to be consulted about it. Yeah. 
And she's a little insecure about her ability to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she beats Tendi after stabbing Mariner with the knife. Which they had to tell her. You know, that was kind of funny. It's like, no, you actually did beat her. Uh, you would hope she would recognize that. But insecurity runs deep, I guess. Mm. I guess. Yeah, this family in particular. Right? Yeah. Um, they take a ship and they head back which has the first instance of that I can remember. It's probably happened in like TOS at some point, but like Tillin's hair gets messed up. And like, how often do we see a Vulcan with their hair messed up? Like between Spock, DePaul. I feel like there had to have been a a visual gag with, with Spock or something at some point, but I, I, yeah, I'm not sure that I I can think of one. Right. Yeah. I never think about Vulcan hair. <laughs> what? You, you can resist those bulkups? It's it's the it's the ears. I just can't take my eyes off of them, so. Ah, okay. Yeah. All right. Um we do though at the end get a heartfelt like moment of like joy with the wedding and you know um it's it's a happy ending, all's well that ends well. And I, I I do love that she she swings her husband over the uh over the threshold or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it's like oh. some more visual gags that we get. Totally, totally. And then then we get to see Boimler and Rutherford deciding what their next exploit. They're both Mozart. And they they imply that Mariner has again been hit by a knife. In the ceremony, it's just oh, yeah. a very quick line. <laughs> That's fantastic. Bringing it up to four times in the episode, and they don't show her like using a dermal regenerator or anything at any point. It's just <laughs> there, <laughs> just pulling it out and leaving it open. Yeah, for the next yep. knife to go right back in. Yep. No, no infection. Nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. Um, removed by the biofilters at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and they have to be Mozart because uh, the captain forbid them from twaining again. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. So, all right. Well, any other points to say in this episode? I got one, but I'll, I'll see if you all have something before I jump in. Nothing, nothing more. No, so, the alien in this episode that... Uh, uh, dude who kind of doesn't want to share the scans is a Chalnoth, which is a species from the TNG third season episode Allegiance, where this aliens are like kidnapping people on the Enterprise and replacing them with with duplicates, and um, and so it's, uh, anyway, it's a throwaway alien from some episode, rando episode of TNG. Yeah. And we get we get a reappearance. So Lower Decks continuing to do what it does. Yeah. By making yeah, like deep I think my, references. My my assumption was that he was a Nausicaan, but yeah, that uh, I guess it, his it, it it fits like the same kind of genre, but uh, but yeah, that's nice to see that it's an actual throwback. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Reading my notes, I had one last thing I forgot to mention. In Rutherford and Boimler's room, they have a Kirk statue. I don't know if that's appeared before in Lower Decks, but they have like a, I believe it's a green shirt 
uh, oh yeah statue i think is it wasn't that i think it was in boimler's moving bag unless it's a different one that i'm thinking about <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was in the like box that he was moving i love the it. first episode yeah because <laughs> it, it i love that he's a nerd for star trek as much as like we are nerds for star yeah, trek yeah i i do love that aspect of this show <laughs> So not only does he have Kirk, he's got Spock giving the live long and prosper with his Twok uh, Wrath of Khan uniform. I think one of them is actually a Wesley one. And then they have the model of Deep Space Nine as well. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. I'm looking at a screenshot here. So that's why I can, uh, that's why I'm, I'm not well, pulling they, this out uh, from my knowledge bank. Was, you didn't was, memorize well, all that? Was, I feel like Deep Space, was Deep Space Nine one of the uh, models that he and Tendi put together? Uh, yeah, they, yeah yeah yep you're right you're right that's i think rot the thirds all right well i think that's it for this episode recap uh let's move on to strange new ratings which one of you would like to stick your neck out and give this episode a rating what are we doing the ratings out of that is entirely your choice yeah everyone gets to do what they what they want I, I've been contemplating uh, switching to just like, was this a good or a bad episode and, and leaving it at that. But Come on, Adam! <laughs> no! <laughs> you mess up my like quantitative, quantifiable like thing. Someday I'll like use this spreadsheet for something useful. And... Uh, there we go. I, I uh, think I got mine. Uh, but... There we go. Bring okay. it I'm going to give it 3.5 moopsies. Uh, yeah, 3.5 <laughs> moopsies out of 5. It, it was... It was good it was solid it was funny uh i didn't think it was as strong as some of the others because like i was saying the boimler rutherford stuff felt all over the place for me in terms of where they were going with the arc of that friendship mm -hmm. i don't think much was learned i think they could have done even more with the twaining um it would have been really funny if they had doubled down and the twaining somehow actually worked for that dispute you know not just it eats yeah, the bonsai yeah. that would have been really interesting to me um and the the 10d stuff was really good but because it's still just the orions um as these caricature pirates uh i found it harder to really be like whoa they're doing something really interesting here uh it mm. would have been cool if they had gone maybe a little further with investigating the Orions, but I still liked it quite a bit. Yeah. I, th I think that's, that's a, that's an interesting point. Uh, I guess maybe it would make it a little bit sadder uh, from what Notch had brought up is like, if post burn, they still like, if we had this society that was trying to pull itself out of that uh, right now, but in the post burn, uh, they just go straight back to it. So at least now they get to, uh, it's less of a tragedy if they just kind of maintain their same it, stance. But is it? I don't know. For all of history, the Orions are only pirates. Seems sadder to me personally. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, th I think I've, I'm still having trouble getting over the, the burn, like killing the descendants of almost everyone we've ever seen in Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> uh, it just hurts. At least, yeah. it, at least, Adam, at least there was a really good reason it happened and it wasn't yeah, like it was some that was really satisfying. Yeah. junk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, well, I, I I think I, I I'm gonna give this one. I, I think I'll give it an eight. It I I enjoyed the stuff with the uh, around the wedding and and uh, like people's names and the, like the the funny throwaway things with with o, uh, Orion that like 
uh, I think that that led me to forgive some of the other uh, stuff that Reed pointed out, but I think that's that's roughly where I'm th I'm thinking. Well, I'm gonna give this a straight nine because oh. I oh. I actually felt that a lot of I've been feeling like something was missing in like especially the last episode, which I didn't enjoy at all. Um, well, that's that's too strong. It was okay. Mm -hmm. um but this one i really felt like the like one-liners the like thematic element going through the entire episode finding out the backstory i felt like it had a lot of elements that were great and then we had the stupidity with boimler and rutherford which was just you know the two of them being complete idiots and i i liked it i liked it and like anytime boimler ends the episode really like sad it's you know some because of some dumb thing that happened it's i don't know it's funny um <laughs> So, so I, I, I'm putting this on a nine out of ten. Again, no Mugato Gumato. Yeah, uh, it has not reached that height. It has not reached that height. No. Uh, someday, someday an episode will reach that brilliance. Uh, you know, um, far beyond the stars. Yeah. Not far beyond the stars, which is the one in the pale moonlight. Yeah. Almost yeah. got as good as Mugato Gumato. Almost. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, someday. They'll, they'll make something as brilliant as that. All right. Well, uh, with that, um, Reed, Adam, thank you for being here to talk about Star Trek with me. I always enjoy having the chance to spend an hour every weekend uh, discussing new Star Trek. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Notch, for bringing us here. Yeah. And thank you to Bill, who's not here and probably won't be here for a little bit because he just had a baby. Uh, good for him. And, and, of course, his wife as well. Uh, and uh, good for uh, Rudy and Emily for whatever it is they're doing. I hope they're having a great time as well. Thank you, dear listener, for making time in your week. Thanks, Steve, I should say, uh, for making time for us in your week. <laughs> and uh, thank you, Jishnu Guha, for recording our theme music. And special thanks this week to whoever designed old-timey pirate attire, because it's coming in real useful for laughs in uh, Lower Deck. So whoever did that like 200 years ago, good for you. All right. See you next week, everybody. Goodbye. Thanks. Bye. Thank you.